Hello and welcome to Wi-Fi Optional, the weekly tech show where we talk tech so you don't have to. This is episode 30, uh, recorded Tuesday, July 26th, 2016. My name is Rokshan Wijaratna and I have Mr. Jason Watakot. Uh, with me as always, and uh, we've been doing some experimental uh, internet uh, connectivity today. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. Apparently, they can get uh, internet in the upper stratosphere, but uh, we can't get it 70 miles out of a uh, major metropolitan area. So, uh, I guess that's a topic for uh, a later discussion. So. Yep, that is <laughs> that, that exactly is. Uh, uh, lots of uh, some lots of crazy news. Companies buying each other, and like Jason said, uh, you know very high altitude uh, internet connections and whatnot. But uh, without further ado, let's uh, get things rolling. So your iPhone or Mac could be hacked with one simple iMessage. Uh, if you don't have the latest versions of iOS or OS X or OS 10 on your Apple device, uh, you may want to go ahead and do that right now. Uh, secure vulnerability that allows hackers to access your device by sending you an iMessage are found in almost every version of iOS and OS 10, except for the latest one, reports Forbes and Quartz. Uh, discovered by a researcher from Cisco, a hacker could send you a .tif or .tif file, uh, which is a photo file like a JPEG. Um, that when received can execute code it gives the hacker access to your device's internal storage and stored passwords uh, in order to avoid this there are a few simple solutions at the moment you can update your device to the latest versions of ios which is 9.3.3 or os 10 which is el capitan 10.11.6 or just turn off your iMessage uh, apple did not immediately respond to the request for comment um, I believe you have it in the notes over here. Uh, I believe Apple's uh, fixed this, um, but uh, it's still a good idea to go ahead and uh, get on the latest software so we don't have any issues. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Apple did uh, fix this, but it was it was funny how they fixed they 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 put a fix in place. Yes, but they conveniently failed to mention one of the major uh, flaws or or vulnerabilities, which was this particular one that we talked about. They said, "Oh, there's a lot of security fixes. You you're going to need to do this." Um, but ironically, this is very very similar to the Android vulnerability that we saw a few months back, the stage fright, which did exactly the same thing. So they basically sent in, you know, a, a picture message or some kind of a multimedia message um, and then basically corrupted the the phone and then got in that way. One of the like you mentioned in the article, you know, you can always turn off iMessage. But one of the things with having iMessage or HTML based uh, uh, messaging is you can actually execute a, a piece of code inside that message. So it's a. Uh, it's kind of a, a darned if you do, darned if you don't thing. You know, you, you you want to turn it on so you can get, you know, the emojis and the picture messages, but at the same time, you you want to run a risk. But it's always good to be updated and looks like it it, it was known and they did patch it. So I'm uh, I'm going to put my tin hat on for one second and say it's amazing how they just came out with the jailbreak for uh, 9.3.2 and 3 and uh, then all of a sudden Apple goes, oh, there's a security glitch. You got to update now. So I think it's just funny. <laughs> let, that, let that snake lie in the grass for a little bit. And then they're like, oh, there's a vulnerability update. It's not anything to do with the, the jailbreak. Just, just do it. <laughs> uh, that's not unrelated. Completely unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, Edwin Snowden, Edward Snowden designs a, a phone case that shows when it is being spied on. Edward Snowden, the most the world's most wanted geek, has helped develop plans for a smartphone case that could stop people becoming victims of digital surveillance. Uh, in an online paper called Against the Law, uh, Countering Lawful Abuse of Digital Surveillance, Snowden and Andrew Bunny Huang um, outlined plans to create a smartphone case that is able to display a notification and spark an alarm when the phone's cellular, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, or other radio connections are sending and receiving data. It will also feature a kill switch that can forcibly disconnect power to the phone if a signal is seen to be transmitting information about the user's permission or knowledge. The case also obscures the rear camera lens to prevent the recording of videos. The design is said to be able to work for any type of smartphone, although their paper was based around an iPhone 6. Uh, they have also made plans uh, for the device. Uh, they also they have also made the plans for the device an open source uh, project so anyone can create it. Snowden and Bunny concluded the paper by saying if their prototypes are a success, they will look into the Freedom of Press Foundation to potentially fund uh, production of this particular case, which is, uh, in my opinion, is is a fantastic idea. But at the same time, um, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking there's all these apps that you can download from the, from the App Store and the iTunes market, uh, app, Google and Apple uh, app stores. And a lot of these apps will ask for permission to do this, permission to do that, and they'll you know push ads. So I haven't seen the interface and, and they have kind of been, uh, they haven't given a lot more information beyond what we know. So I wonder if there's, if there's going to be a process kind of like a, a software firewall where you have a whitelist and a blacklist and any apps that are installed are, are, are permitted to use data at any point in time. Um, but if the phone is just sitting idle and all of a sudden it gets a, a third party request, it blocks it. And if that's a case, um, how are we going to know if some of the apps that are in the marketplace are legitimate apps or are, are apps that are, you know, pretending to be some kind of a game, but um, has some kind of a, a, an ulterior motive. The, and I, I, I completely agree with that. The, the, the weird thing about this, that, that everything that comes out of stone is, is, you know, where we're at with, with security online and, and big brother watching kind of stuff is all because of what, he kind of let loose and and ran off and scurried away to you know asylum in Russia and wherever he is now, but um, these things that he comes up with, like you know creating this case that blocks all cell, like like how I just wonder like how paranoid you know to actually meet the person meet the man in person, like how paranoid he has to be to be able to come up with something that you know completely blocks and cuts off uh, you know all basically the cellular or the, or the wireless activity on your phone. I mean it's. It, it 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 makes you wonder if if I'm under uh, worried about these things or if you know he's overly worried Over about paranoid. these things. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I would hope that he's over and I'm I'm not the other way because it's a scary world if that's how how things really are where you really have to worry about you know Bluetooth and and things running without you knowing knowing it's going on even in airplane mode so. Right. And that's the thing, you know, because according to some of the things they've said that they can trigger the GPS, even if you have the GPS turned off, they can still get into the 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 phone, turn the GPS on, grab the Latin long, shut it off without you even knowing, without any any indicator popping up. Uh, ironically, there was a, a picture floating around Facebook. Now, I, I don't know if this was doctored or if this was a legitimate picture of um, where 
uh, talking about uh, uh, paranoia, the Facebook found there's a picture um, of the, it says, you know, Facebook founder explains blah, blah, blah. And there is his laptop sitting there and there's a piece of tape over the um, the the webcam. And there's a, a little uh, 3.5 millimeter jack connected to his microphone slot with the ends cut off. So you can't turn the microphone on. So, um, you know, I, I don't know to answer your question. Are are we being overly paranoid, or or, or do they know a lot more that we don't know? know a lot kind of thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. So that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. I it, it, I sometimes you know it's one of those things you don't want to. Do. I sometimes lay in bed sometimes and just wonder you know what what's actually going on yeah. in this. Sometimes this you know it's 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 better <laughs> that we don't know. I guess exactly. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss, baby. Ignorance right. is bliss. <laughs> well, on a on a lighter note, uh, Akila test flight carries Facebook's internet ambitions aloft. So uh, Facebook last week uh, carried out its first full scale test flights of Akila. It's high altitude solar powered unmanned aircraft design. It's a long sentence. To provide internet access to remote regions, uh, the company had flown one uh, one fifth scale version of the airplane for several months now. Uh, the full size aircraft's wingspan of a Boeing seven thirty seven, which is forty six yards, but reportedly weighs less than nine hundred pounds, fully laden, uh, thanks to carbon fiber materials used in construction. The goal of last week's test flight was to verify Facebook's operational models and and overall aircraft design. The flight originally was scheduled to run 30 minutes, but its successful performance allowed engineers to extend that to 90-minute run. Uh, the ground crew was able to verify several performance models, components, including aerodynamics, batteries, control systems, and crew training. Uh, in the next test, we will fly Aquila faster, higher, longer, eventually taking it above 60,000 feet, said uh, Jay uh Parikh, uh, global head of engineering and infrastructures at Facebook. Um, so basically, when this is all done, um, it'll be able to complete a, a circle region of about 60 miles in diameter at a height of more than 60,000 feet. Um, really kind of a crazy, uh, you know, we, we, we saw this before with loom and, and balloons, um, but now this is this is almost like a, a sub atmosphere. Uh, satellite in sense a regional satellite um and it, it's it's really cool but it's it's also scary to think you know how many things are flying in our atmosphere satellite wise and now we're going to have a bunch of you know drones and planes going back to our last article of yeah it might be sending the internet but what else is it doing up there <laughs> yeah it's got a uh you know what is it uh oh my gosh i can't even i can think of stingray thank you <laughs> yes yeah it's got a stingray on it but you know i was i was trying to comprehend this and and I'm going, you know, 60,000 feet, that's twice the normal cruising altitude of a, of a commercial jet. And, you know, are they, is there some kind of a business plan where this is, Hey, you know what, you're flying uh, Southwest or Delta. We'll give you free Facebook uh, when you're up in the air. Um, That might be something, but um, it's, it, like you said, it's amazing to see where now there's, you know, you can you can look at different bands, so to speak. You got 30,000 is, is your is commercial airline, and now you got 60,000 that where this this Aquila, you know, self-propelled or, or solar-powered unmanned um, repeater, so to speak, is is flying. And then right next to it is, is, is a satellite. So are we getting close to suborbital flight, possibly? I, I don't know. That's, it's, it's, um, it opens up the kind of a Pandora's box, so to speak, like you said, where, uh, um, you know, 
sure, this is going to be up there providing internet. And that's fantastic because, we, you know, like we were talking about before the show, there's, there's so many places where you can't get internet. So this is fantastic. But if you can do that, you know, what else can you do? So exactly. Another parent article. But uh, <laughs> moving on, Apple sees iPhone sales drop again, but it beats forecast. The U.S. tech giant sold 40.4 million iPhones in its third quarter, slightly above forecast of 40.02 million. Uh, Apple chief executive Tim Cook said the results reflected stronger customer demand than we anticipated. The firm said it expected sales to fall again in the fourth quarter between $45.5 billion and $47.5 billion. Demand for Apple's flagship product has been slowing since the second quarter when the firm reported the first drop in iPhone sales since their 2007 launch. The iPhone makes up for around two-thirds of Apple's sales and accounts for even more of its profits. The slowdown in iPhone sales sent uh, profit down 27% to $7.8 billion in the three months uh, to 25th June, where revenues fell months to 25, uh, 25th June, that's right, uh, while revenues fell 14.6% to $42.4 billion. Um, Apple sales in Greater China uh, defined by the company as China, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, plunged to 33%. The firm blamed economic uncertainty and people not upgrading their phones as often for the drop. China accounts for almost a quarter of Apple sales, more than all of Europe combined. We talked about this um, in a previous show where uh, you know it seems like the the phone market is starting to plateau. Um, you know, there, there used to be a time where with this cat and mouse game, oh, the, the Apple came out with one, you know, and Google came out with one, and we just just kept going and going and going. And now we've kind of got to the point where, yes, we still have the apples and oranges distinguish, distinguishing the two different companies, but as far as what they each can do, we've kind of hit a hit a threshold. And and I also think the the current generation uses the phone slightly different from what the the initial. Uh, smartphone generation started using. So, um, you know, does this mean we're going to eventually come up with, uh, is, is there going to be a, a point where things are going to diverge? Uh, that's interesting to know. I, I highly doubt it, but, uh, you know, based on some of the other stories that we're going to be talking about that it might not even be, uh, you know, fiction in the, in the far future, who knows? Yeah, and you know, China was kind of the iPhone's last great frontier where they haven't reached out to it before. And I think this is just seeing that the kind of what you described is everybody's getting iPhones now. You don't need to upgrade because things are that much better. I think that just was expedited in the Chinese market. And I think you're just seeing what we've seen here slowly happen, happen faster over there. So that's why their numbers are are slowly dropping off, like this article states. And and I, I just don't I. Yeah, I just don't. I don't see. And I mean, unless they in some incorporate these new technologies, VR and and all this kind of stuff into phones, I don't. I don't really see it. It there being a great you know, equalizer or a great thing that that makes phones that much that much better than what they currently are. So, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what what it what it brings. But I think the, uh, the basically what this says is the the Chinese market is now as tapped out as the rest of the the rest of the world is at this point in time. And, you know, there's some crazy things that are coming out of the, the, the Chinese market, you know, especially yeah. when it comes to technology. I mean, this little thing, uh, Jason, I think I showed you this little USB thumb drive, two terabytes, um, you know, and they sell for about 50 bucks here in the U.S. So it's just crazy what they can do. So in, in being such a highly populated market as like China and they're still suffering. So it, 
might mean something. Yep. Um, so uh, staying on that end of the globe, but uh, jumping across the uh, onto the island a little bit, uh, we're talking about Japan. Um, so SoftBank uh, gets an arm up on the uh, rest of the competition here. SoftBank Group uh, is close to closing a deal to purchase Arm Holdings for a uh, little sum of uh, $32.4 billion in cash. According to reports in New York Times, Bloomberg, and the Wall Street Journal, uh, media outlets all stated uh, sources familiar with the matter, which is my favorite uh Favorite line in all of uh, tech reporting now. Um, in 2015, Arms uh, customers shipped more than 15 billion chips, and while most customers didn't know it, uh, those who interacted with digital devices come in contact with Arm chips just about every day. Uh, during 2015, Arms said it signed uh, licenses with another 173 companies that will use their processor design in the years to come. So they're shipping a ton themselves, but like the article says, they also license a crap ton. I mean, a lot of the internet with things devices that we're seeing nowadays runs on arm just because it's low power it's cheap um and you know it just works so this is kind of an interesting bit on their part i mean softbank really wasn't the telecommunications world you know three years ago when they bought sprint and now they own sprint and now they own the like one of the bigger chip makers in the world so it's kind of an interesting play on their part i think there is a I, i think there's more of a business play in this transaction than there is a um a communications play because if they own arm um and like you said anybody that's that's a, a, a chip man a handset manufacturer has to have some kind of an arm chip in it and you know there's there's royalties coming out of everything so and the other thing i can see is softbank now owning a, a major share of sprint and anybody here in the u.s knows that out of all the the major carriers sprint is probably the on the you know, low end of, of, of the rankings. Number four. <laughs> Number four, yes. And so are they going to be, is is this a business play where they're going to use the royalties that are going to come out of these ARM chips and they're going to start feeding Sprint, you know, to to upgrade the technology? But uh, yeah, it's it's certainly very interesting that, uh, you know, what they what they did and there's always some kind of a business play. And the other part that's interesting is it's, it's, you know, it's a company that had absolutely nothing to do with technology that came in or and communication came in, bought a communication company, and now they're buying a technology company, yep. a chip manufacturer. So very, very interesting. So uh, that kind of ends our uh, pinging the news segment. But to stay on the same page, we have another uh, giant buyout, um, not as, as big in terms of money, but probably just as big in terms of uh, uh nostalgia <laughs> and intellectual property uh but uh, Brad, the, 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 somebody <laughs> needs a better negotiator for those guys That's exactly yeah they they have a they have a pretty bad uh, track record with uh with dealing with this stuff and it, it didn't end very well but anyways uh what we're talking about of course is verizon um agreeing to purchase um yahoo uh, for a uh, whopping sum of 4.3 or 4.83 billion dollars, uh, the two companies said before markets opened on Monday. Um, this was reported the scale, or excuse me, the sale completes Yahoo's evolution from an influential search pioneer to a web portal juggernaut uh, to, uh, in the end, to one a once dominant brand that's lost its way. Um, parties have. Uh, Parties as diverse as Warren Buffett and the Daily Mail were interested in buying Yahoo, but after the sale process dragged out for months, Verizon, uh, long viewed as a front runner in the telecommunications world and in this bid, is walking away with Yahoo's 
uh, more than 1 billion monthly active users. Um, current Yahoo shareholders will keep the company's lucrative investments in Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba and also with Yahoo Japan. Uh, they will be spun to separate yet uh, to be named traded and publicly traded companies. Uh, the deal also excludes some party uh, patents and Yahoo's cash, of course. Um, so really kind of interesting that they basically just bought the name and Yahoo's search algorithm, which I guess, you know, that's kind of the cool thing to do now is that, you know, have a tech company when you're a, a carrier, um, you know, and the, the weird part is Yahoo or Verizon just purchased um, the basically Yahoo, Verizon's buying the nineties. They just purchased AOL <laughs> a little while back and now they're buying Yahoo, which are probably the two biggest names when it comes to, to late nineties, uh, you know, internet and tech. So um, very, very interesting story. Um, we'll kind of talk about as we go here, but um, it's a bad timing on, on Yahoo's part because there was lots of better deals uh, previously that they could have jumped on. I think Marissa Meyer is actually getting the the better end of the deal. She's going to walk away with $50 million in, in severance pay. Um, but I also feel, I, I, I wonder if, like you said, they did buy a, a part of history, you know, one of the very first uh, search engines. Uh, but I wonder if they're also going to use that that search algorithm and also the advertising and and marketing uh, capabilities of Yahoo and then start pushing something down to the Verizon customers eventually. You know that that could be a play too that that they're going to use either that or knowing Verizon they could incorporate it where if you're on a Verizon handset your default search engine is now going to be a Verizon search engine um, and they're going to use the the Yahoo like you said the search algorithm, but uh, yeah, it's 4.83 billion is is just chump change for them, uh, especially for something like Yahoo. And um, it's it was un- it's it's unfortunate that you know they the Yahoo tried time and time again to tr- to to revive the company, but um, I don't know it just it just didn't uh, just didn't happen. But the other thing I see is Google's been eerily quiet, so I find that very interesting too. So I wonder if they're gonna they're gonna have something to say about this. Yeah, it's 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 flaws, and I mean, this has been agreed to, but it's got to get go through FCC clearance right. and all that all that BS that you know. I think the AT and T purchase of uh, what was AT and T Direct TV before before it didn't go through, they got shut down on some things, but what you know, all that stuff has to go through yet. And but um, the the interesting thing we talked about before the show is um, you know at one point in time it was a one point or $125 billion company, right. um, which is basically as large as, as Facebook and, and Google are nowadays. Um, and uh, the, the two interesting facts were um, Yahoo refused to buy Google back in 1998 for a mere $1 million. $1 and they, they passed on that. And then um, they were offered to uh, be purchased, similar to this situation, by Microsoft in 19, or 2008, um, basically 10 years later for... Uh, 45 billion so 10 times as much and uh they pass on that so um like you said it's been a really weird path since marissa meyer took over a few years back um and i think this is really the only thing they had left they've, they've tried everything and, and i don't think that uh they their grasp is uh like you said the nostalgia and people of you know our age and and back to that time frame just doesn't play anymore you know everybody goes to google everybody you know uses gmail or, or some other service for email they don't use yahoo mail anymore and and i just think that there's there wasn't i i don't think 4.8 billion is is 
an undersell of Yahoo because, like I said, we're we're tying it back to how they used to be, not what they are now. Right, and then I think that was one of the things you know they 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 failed to evolve almost. You know, all the other companies looked at market trends and like, hey, this is what people are doing. Here's where technology is going. Here's how we're going to change. Um, and, and as much as we sometimes complain, I mean, you and I, we we go through that almost every day. We'll we use Google Docs, for example, for our for our show. And then every time there's some kind of a change, we're like, ah, you know, this is frustrating. But then you know, you, you almost have to have those changes to to stay ahead of the the curve, so to speak. And and one of the things is they, like you said, they tried to hang on to that that nostalgic feeling. And hey, we're going to give the people what they what they used to remember. And that's great, but. You know, if you if you stay there, uh, people are going to go. Yeah, that's great, but that's not what I need right now. And I'm going to go some to go to somebody that uh, that can get me that get get me what I need. So um, again, it's unfortunate they tr- they tried everything, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. I think I think Verizon should come out with an ad where all it does is go. It's like Yahoo. And it's like you got mail, and it just says like <laughs> now. Now, now, all under one same roof. Watch, <laughs> watch. That's that's going to be the default SMS <laughs> notification on all Verizon phones. That's the only reason they bought it for those those, those two sound bites. So it was worth ten, 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 ten billion dollars. <laughs> ten billion dollars for two sound bites. Oh, that's hilarious. No, it's it's going to be interesting how this ends up. But uh, if it actually does go through, but you know, the other interesting part is you know the Alibaba thing was probably one of the bigger purchases. Um, you know, one of the bigger things that they owned. Um, and the fact that Yahoo Japan is kind of left out too as well, I suppose, because Verizon has no reach over there. But um, it, it'd be interesting what those two companies are called because they're taking the Yahoo names. So I don't know if they'll still be called Yahoo Japan, or they'll call it, you know, Kanishiwa or something. I don't know what the hell they're going to call it in Japan. But, uh, you know, and then Alibaba, the, the whatever company, that the holding company, that's just the holding company. So it's going to make a difference. But uh, well, there, yeah, it's just interesting. Though. Alibaba is also um, the the government telecom over in China. Right. So they're, they're basically, you know, so we'll see. Uh, CES next year is going to be very interesting. We'll see how it goes. Um, I'm actually going to be at CES. So we'll see. I'll find out. Reporting if, uh, live. Reporting live for Wi-Fi optional, yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's going to be out there. Is it going to be Yahoo? Is it going to be Verizon? Or we'll see what the company is going to be called. <laughs> um, and oh, looks like we've almost. Uh, J- Jason just sent me a message saying, "Yeah, we're almost. Uh, we've almost hit our a lot of time." Uh, thank you again for uh, watching the show. That's that's all we got for today. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you like the show. Um, and also, you can always find us on your uh, favorite uh, podcast app. And if you can't find us, rss.wifioptional.com is our feed address. You can also uh, always find us on iTunes, the audio-only version. If you have questions, comments, find us on Twitter. Our Wi-Fi, our Wi-Fi Twitter handle is at Wi-Fi Optional. And um, if you ever got a question or want to reach us out, reach out to us. Info at wifioptional.com is uh, our uh, email address. And there it is. Uh, thank you very much to Purple Planet for providing the music. Um, you can always uh, check them out at purple-planet.com. And uh, episode 30 is a wrap. My name is Rick Thank you. And. Have a good night. Good night.